Hey there, welcome to the Author's Way podcast, The Journey to Finding Your Voice. I am here today with Preston Poor. Um, Preston is a, I'm really excited about this conversation. Preston is fascinating. He has a background in Fortune 500 companies. So he's recently retired after 20 years with the Coca-Cola company. Um, he is also a small business owner in the aerospace um, industry, and he's an author. He is a speaker. He is a, a, a great husband and father, and I'm just really excited to, to share for him to share his story and information about his book. Uh, so welcome, Preston. Well, Jennifer, great to, great to be here today. Appreciate it. Awesome. Awesome. Do you want to share a little bit about, about your, I always, I always hate to share other people's stories. So, so I like, I like the guests to kind of share about themselves. So you want to introduce yourself to the audience and tell them. Yeah. Th you. Thank you for the opportunity. Hey, hey everybody. Thanks for uh, tuning in. I hope you don't tune out after two minutes. Jennifer and I were joking about that in the uh, brief prior to the podcast. So uh, give us a chance and hopefully we'll set some stuff up and we'll add some value to you today. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting. I was born here in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, my dad being a Georgia Tech grad, my mom from the Southeast. Uh, my dad was a professor at Colorado State University, tenured there for years. And that's where I grew up and uh, went to college, high school, junior high and elementary, all within a three mile radius. So wow. it was a townie in Fort Collins, Colorado. Uh, but my dad also uh, started a small company called Numerica about 25, 26 years ago. And uh, he has a brilliant mind. He's a PhD from Caltech. And he started figuring out how do you tr track uh, missiles and space objects. And so our company, Numerica, is in Fort Collins. My brother's the president. My wife works for it. My mo uh, mother used to work for him, and she was really the person behind the scenes. So have a small business uh, piece to me, uh, and I'm on the board of directors for that, too. So I've, I've watched it grow and helped it uh, for the past 10 years or so. Uh, and then I've got this other piece of a Fortune 500 executive working for different companies like Ralston Purina. So I sold dog food uh, for a while and cat food and then uh, moved to Hershey Foods and actually lived in Hershey, Pennsylvania for a couple mm. of years. My wife and I moved up there with our kids and they were real young. That was a fun place if you've never been there before. And then uh, Coke recruited me, the Coca-Cola company. And uh, I started with them back in 2001. And I recently retired from the Coca-Cola company. So done a lot of great things, been all over the world working with the great brands, great people, uh, bottling partners uh, in that. And so I've had a, a well-rounded uh, experience, if you will, from a small business perspective and a uh, corporate perspective. Uh, but the most important thing to me is my family. Uh, Carla, my bride and I, we've been married. Uh, we'll celebrate 31 years, believe it or not, uh, oh, in, wow. uh, at the end of May. And then my daughter, Caroline, she's a young professional, recently moved with her new husband uh, up to New York City uh, here a couple of weeks ago. And so they're experiencing life just outside of Manhattan uh, and what that looks like. And then uh, my son is a young professional as well here in uh, the Atlanta area working for uh, a, a large logistics company. Uh, and he's about to be 27. So we're empty nesters. So I got all this free time now so I can, you know, engage in things like this, write uh, and do other things that I enjoy. So. Uh, that's me in a nutshell. You know, it's kind of funny. Uh, people, I always start when I'm, I'm speaking in front of audiences or in workshops to say, tell me something that, uh, uh, or tell somebody else next to you that they may not know about you. And so a couple of fun facts about me real quick uh, that might interest the audience. Uh, number one, I'm a, a son of the American Revolution. You ever heard that before? 
I have. Yeah. yeah. DARs, the Daughters and Sons of American Revolution. And uh, my mom's a DAR and she, she went through the certification process years ago. And I said, okay, I want to jump on the train on that. And uh, the guy that we got into the DAR and the SAR uh, was through uh, Wait Still Orvis. You ever heard of the Orvis company before? Clothing oh, yeah. company? Yeah. yeah. So it's that that whole line. And so as I was doing a um, uh, just a study of my heritage, I found out that uh, through I'm a distant cousin of Humphrey Bogart, which is oh, kind of cool. Interesting. Yeah, isn't yeah. that interesting? Uh, no, no acting gene that I got from him, certainly. Uh, so that's okay. Uh, and then uh, number two thing I think that's kind of fun I tell people about is that I had a chance to actually uh, dance with the Rockettes at Radio City Music Hall. And I learned the dance of the the Tin Soldier, I think is the name of it. Uh, we went in for a team team building exercise and uh, got in there and got on stage and actually I had two Rockettes in the in the uh, uh, workshop with us and I was in there with uh, maybe nine women. I was the only guy and so they taught us uh, taught us how to do that. So uh, interesting facts about me. I've had a very interesting life. A little bit of a Renaissance man. I've uh, done a lot of different things, but uh, just having fun right now. So did that start a dancing career for you? Yeah, no. Not at all. Yeah, no, I, I like to try these things uh, and then just step out of it and then talk about the experience behind it. Uh, you know, what was fascinating, Jennifer, about that is that the uh, Rockettes are truly athletes. It amazed me. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah. yeah, they're five, five foot ten, five foot eight, five foot ten. Uh, and I was told that they do two performances a day during the holidays for the Nutcracker and that they eat 6000 calories a day just to wow. keep pace. That that's yeah, athlete that is NFL level calories, yeah. right? Uh, I wish I could do that and you know have the same results. So it's all all, all good. Uh, and then the other side of that was is I was so amazed by you know they do the chorus line, mm-hmm. how they do that and they do yeah. the kicks. And so people ask me, can you kick for us? And I said, no, I'll hurt something if I do that. But the one thing that amazed me was that uh, you know when they have their arms stretched out uh, like that, they don't touch each other. I don't know if you know that or not. And the reason no, they I didn't know that. Yeah. The reason they don't touch each other is because if they did, imagine if somebody lost their balance accidentally. The whole line the, would go down. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly why. So can you imagine doing those kicks and just holding your arms out like that and having to be in sync, but not touching somebody else through that? I just thought that was such body control uh, and self-control and what an athlete to do that. So uh, what a what a fun experience and, and hats off to the the women that uh, participate in that. I have a great respect for them now. You know, that goes to, it, it's so interesting. That goes to really the level of training to become. And it, I mean, it's the same with, with almost anything you do to become that level in your field, the amount of training. Um, and yeah, it's, it kind of, if, if you know the whole 10,000 hours from, mm, sure. from Malcolm Gladwell, it's, right. Yeah. I mean, it, it does to really become that level of, of professional. It takes, it takes that amount of time. And, and for something like that, you really see the physical side of it. You do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, uh, not only the physical side, but think about the mental side that goes on and the memorization, uh, the knowing when, what, how working as a team, there's so many things that you can learn. Actually, it's a great book idea is, uh, how, you know, about the rockets and teamwork and and leadership and all that. I had to think about that's a great idea. Yeah, it is. It is. So something else interesting about you is we actually met in a comedy class. 
Yes. Yeah, that was great. You you were wonderful, a wonderful support uh, as we went through that during the six weeks leading up to graduation. Yeah, yeah. So um, how did you how did you enjoy? Did you enjoy that experience? Uh, no, not at all. I no, 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 just kidding. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was, uh, <laughs> that's not what you expected. Was it Jennifer? No. Yeah, no, <laughs> I had a, I had a great time. Uh, you know, I, I had this desire to, uh, as a, being an author and I know there are many aspiring or current authors here, uh, listening to us today. Uh, I'm pretty good at drama. I'm pretty good at, uh, inspiring other people, making people cry, uh, pulling out those emotions. Um, and I'm okay on, you know, talking one-on-one or in front of a group about uh, some uh, spontaneous type humor, if you will. Yeah. Uh, but being intentional about how to write something and deliver it uh, was another challenge for me. And so mm-hmm. I saw this opportunity through Jeff Justice and uh, uh, actually read an article in the AJC, believe it or not, I still read the paper on a daily basis, which is a good thing. But I saw that uh, from Jeff and, and uh, called right away and sent him a note and said, hey, I'd love to sign up for this. And uh, did it six weeks, and you were part of that. Uh, you you were from a developmental editing perspective on the jokes. Mm-hmm. You added great value and gave me some confidence in what I was writing uh, on it. And I think uh, it gave me a lot of confidence. It really did, and helped right. me understand how to write jokes. And then uh, my my piece is out on YouTube right now, and uh, it's kind of funny. I wrote an article or a blog about my experience. And so mm-hmm. I mentioned to you about, you asked me if I was going to be a professional dancer. And the answer that you might ask me is, are you, are you aspiring to be a stand-up uh, comedian? The answer would be no to that as well. <laughs> uh, but it gave me an opportunity experience that I want to have that I could share with other people. And that will help me personally develop. Uh, and it stretched me uh, beyond belief, to be quite frank with you. Uh, so it was a lot of fun. Yeah. When I took the, my first class back in 19, there was so much that I learned about just speaking in general, that I could apply to talks, whether or not they were funny um, or you know stand-up comedy. Um, and then I there's a lot of that I learned about my writing as well. Yeah. So it was yeah. very it was it was very interesting and very informative. Yeah, yeah. It gave well. yeah. I love the word confidence on that. It gave me confidence, mm-hmm. and and Jeff helped me understand because I I'm venturing into this uh, speaking business, if you will, after a career at Coke, uh, but gave me the confidence about how I can use humor appropriately in a corporate setting. And yeah. it's, I found it's, you can, uh, but it's to make a point. Uh, it's not to stand up and tell your, your routine or your set of jokes that you have uh, to go through, you know, like 15 jokes in four minutes. That's not the intent at all, unless that's what they're hire, hiring you for. And that's, that's not what my my uh, intent is, but if I can use humor to make a point and connect with the audience, that's the main thing that I want to yeah. do is to connect with them, meet them where they are, get them to laugh, get them to giggle. Uh, it's, I think it's Victor Borges that said that laughter is the shortest distance between two people. Uh, yeah, I would there. agree with that. Right, yeah. Laughter is the shortest distance mm-hmm. between two people. And so if I can connect with you and make you laugh, giggle, and, and not about anything other than just, uh, just something we might both think is funny, not putting down somebody else or whatnot, but a right. light sense of humor. Uh, that's kind of what I'm after. And I hope yeah. to do that through writing as well. Yeah. It helps to to find shared experiences. Sure. Sure. Um, because, I mean, when, you, when we talk about things in a humorous way, experiences that we've had, people see, people see that themselves. That's right. Uh, yeah. 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 So, uh, Connecting, that's that's the the bottom line on it with an audience. And whether it's a reader 
or it's somebody sitting in front of you, uh, that's ultimately what you want to do. Because if you don't connect with them, then they're just going to gloss over and get that, right. uh, what they call the Mego, which is the mind and eyes glazing over. Yeah. And uh, you may be doing that. Your ears may be closed now as a listener going through this and you've not connected. But if I'm not connecting with you or having a sense of humor or telling some mm -hmm. stories that you might be interested in, you're going to tune out. Yeah. And I think that's a job that the job of a reader and or a speaker or a trainer uh, to connect with people on a human level and uh, uh, help move them, inspire them, motivate them to uh, grow and do something different. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about your book. Sure. So um, you recently, um, when, when did, so the name of your book just for the audience is sure. Discipled Leader. Mm -hmm. um, and you talk a lot about bringing your faith mm -hmm. along with you through your career and into your, into your roles, into your leadership roles. Um, what year did you publish the book? How long has the book been out there? Yeah, it was, uh, gosh, we're coming up on two years. So it oh, was, nice. uh, yeah, 2021. Okay. All right. And you've had quite a bit of quite a bit of success with it. You've got some, you know, you've won some awards with it mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and, um, you've been able to do quite a bit with the book. Yeah. So like, thank yeah. thank you for acknowledging that. Um, all kinds of stories around uh, that go swirl through my head. But uh, yes, um, one of the the uh, outcomes, if you will, of all the hard work that we put in, and I say we because it literally took a village to to, to move it there, uh, is that we were recognized by a uh, Christian Writers Conference in uh, Blue Ridge. And it's called the SELA Awards, and the uh, conference is made up of what they consider 600 of the top Christian writers and editors in the Southeast. And uh, I was honored that they bestowed upon uh, my book and our publisher, Craigle, uh, the 2022 Nonfiction Book of the Year Award. Oh, that's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, so that, that was kind of a cool thing. Uh, I didn't get to go to the awards. Uh, I knew I was being nominated and part of the process. I knew uh, there was a down select to three. And so I was kind of doing my hands like this as it got to awards time, hoping and wondering, and then uh, didn't hear anything, didn't hear anything. All of a sudden it came across and said that we had won the the big prize on that. So uh, very thankful, uh, but there was a lot to get there, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. So what made you decide? I'm, I'm always curious um, when I talk to people who wrote their book, because um, anybody can write a book if that's what sure. they want to do, but not everyone does. Right. So what made you decide to, to write your book and to, to really like get your, your thoughts and your expertise into, into a book? Yeah. You know, I, I, if you will indulge me for just a second, there's two mm -hmm. things that really started all of this. And then I'll jump into uh, disciple leader and why I started writing that. Two things happened to me early in life that uh, helped me see uh, that I had a potential talent for writing, uh, and then also the impact I could have and why I was writing. Uh, I remember, number one, in high school, I took a composition class, and uh, we did an essay. It was a timed essay. I don't know if you remember doing these or not, but mm -hmm. uh, they would give you a topic, and one of the topics was, why, uh, why do you want to do what you want to do in the future? What do you want to do, and uh, why do you want to do it? And I'll never forget, Jennifer, writing that paper uh, and being excited about it and then getting it back the next week graded. And it got a, like a C or a D on it. 
And I don't think it was necessarily the technique, but the the grader of the paper asked me some real questions. And my my uh, the the premise or the topic of the paper was I want to be a lawyer someday. And I started writing all the reasons I want to be a lawyer. And it started with things that you might think of that were immature, but at the time it was like, hey, money, fame, prestige, uh, I can make a difference this way and that. Uh, that's why I want to do it. Oh, I can run for politics. And all of the reasons were superficial uh, on it. And that's why I think that the, the reader of that gave me a, a, a grade that was uh, not as good as it probably could have been, right? And that really made me think. And then fast forward, I go to college. Uh, and I'm taking another composition class uh, from a freshman perspective uh, and during the summer. And I remember writing these papers and I, I'll never forget writing, sitting down at the desk in my basement one afternoon trying to, and I was always cramming, but I was, it was the last minute thing of writing. And the paper was write an analogy about something. Uh, it had to be so, so many words long, et cetera. I, I finish it up, I submit it. And that next week, the teacher gets or the professor gets up in class and we got 20 or 30 people that are taking the class. He goes, I just, I'm going to take out the norm. I just want to do something. I want to read something to you because I, this is an example about the way you could look and do this. This is, this is one of the best papers I've ever read. And he sat there and read my paper to the entire class. And he pulled me aside after and said, Hey, got a little talent. You probably ought to play with this. So that inspired, I'll never forget that moment. That inspired me to think, hey, maybe I've got something that I can pull out and work through. Mm -hmm. um, and I've always been really good at uh, communication, expressing myself through writing uh, and speaking. And so I wanted to develop that. So fast forward 15 years ago, not that fast forward, but about 15 years ago, I started getting this inkling uh, that I wanted to write something, write a book uh, and do that. And I had a topic in mind around, it's a faith-based type thing. And so I started talking to my wife about that. And so the idea started all those years ago. And um, let the listener know today that my journey to have Disciple Leader written and published took 10 years. Mm. It took 10 years. Um, and so your question, I go back to you, Jennifer, you said, why did you write the book, Disciple Leader? Well, it's because I felt like there was a opportunity to help people grow in their faith and then display that faith in the workplace. There have been a lot of theoretical books about that, and there's been some books on application, but nothing really that tied the two together mm. and showed you and said, hey, here's a, a biblical faith-based principle. And then actually, what does that show up like at work? And how, how do you exercise that, if you will? And so that's why I wrote it. And uh, it took me a long time to do it. You can only imagine working 40 to 50 hours a week, like maybe some right. people are uh, that are listening today. Uh, and so... Um, I felt this inspired, really, it was a calling to get out of bed on Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings at 5 a.m., get downstairs, grab a cup of coffee, and start pounding away on the computer and start working. Uh, and it's one of those things that's weird. It just didn't let up. It's not It's not like it started initially, and then I was ignited and went went off. It was like this constant uh, thing that was kind of in the back of my mind. I just It's hard to explain in my heart, in my mind, in my soul that I wanted to get out. Uh, and eventually I wrote it and uh, got it. And uh, there's more story behind all that, but I want to pause there for just a second. I want to see if I answered your question about why I ended up writing Disciple Leader. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Were, were you, I'm curious, when you say it took 10 years, mm -hmm. were you intentional about that, that 
there you felt like there's just more information I want to gather so it's not it's not time yet and you just continue to gather information uh, I, and I totally get, and this is something I talk to people about all the time yeah. is the time it takes to write a book versus very few of us are doing it full time. Yeah. Most of us are working jobs and we're raising families and we're, sure. you know, we're taking care of community things and, you know, our, our different communities. So, um, was it something that was, you were, you wanted to make sure that you gathered a certain amount of information in order to to complete the book um or was it just that's just kind of the way it kind of the way it fell yeah so i'll, I'll get a little technical here for you for just a second mm -hmm. um in the uh, christian publishing industry there are already a number of books on this topic called discipleship and mm -hmm. what that means is becoming a follower of jesus and that's kind of what i was writing toward uh, and then I came to understand that there are already thousands of books out there about that. Mm -hmm. uh, so number one, I had to make sure that I was, quote unquote, theologically sound in what I was writing. It had to be mainstream. Okay. I want to make sure that it was not varying off a path. It was my own thoughts, et cetera. So that takes some, some specific due diligence around that. Uh, and then the other part was coming up eventually with stories uh, from my own career or antidotes from history or whatever it was that would tie back into the points mm -hmm. I was trying to make, whether it was a, a Bible-based principle uh, or scripture or a leadership principle uh, on that. I, I, I got some actually show. Is it okay if I show and tell real quick? Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I uh, actually went and did some mind mapping. I don't know if you're uh, oh, I love mind mapping. Right. Yeah. And so for each chapter I did out of those 10 chapters, I did mind mapping. So I'd write the title in the middle. I mm -hmm. learned this a long time ago and then I start just brainstorming around all that. And then what I did is I went in and uh, I have a program called Lagos, uh, which is a, just a, a, a faith-based uh, program that has all kinds of resources in it. So I can do a lot mm -hmm. of research, if you will. And so I've got 230 pages of research just for one chapter that I would write on. And I would read through this and then I would go and mark, uh, you can probably see the highlighting. And then the, this is from years ago when I wrote this or did all this, but, and I kept it just to, to have, I guess, a memory of how I'd approach this. And this may not be the right approach for everybody, but I just want to say why it ten, took 10 years. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then I would go in and I would number each one of those uh, things I highlighted. And then I would end up with this 11 by 17 piece of paper with the mind mapping in the middle. And then I would put in clusters, those topics. So when I wrote about it, I could go back and refer to it. So there was a science behind it, if you will, a, a diligence that had to take place. But without that, because uh, what people tell me that have read the book uh, and people that are in the know and are pretty sound in their theology, uh, uh, go back and look at the resources I use and they go, and then they read it and say, yeah, this is, this is good stuff. And so I wanted to make sure, the reason I did that, Jennifer, was to make sure that there was credibility it wasn't just something I thought, if you will. It was I was I was doing the research to uh, provide additional insights, my way of looking at things, the way I would position it. But I want to make sure they were mainstream thoughts. So, yeah, ten years, maybe one chapter a year, maybe one or two a year. Uh, I would float it out to people and ask them to read it and give me feedback uh, on it. And so that's where it got me. It got me to a, a manuscript uh, where we could get it to a publisher at a certain point. Thank you so much for sharing that methodology. I run into people, um, the book writing process can be very intimidating mm. for a lot of people that 
that decide they want to do it. And um, I was even ans answering a question just a few days ago about, well, you know, I don't, I know things, but I don't know everything about a topic and how do I, and I love the fact that you, you really take time to research it. I think a lot of people think if I'm going to write a book, everything just has to come out of my own head. And it's not the case. I mean, you can talk to other people, you can research, you can, there's lots of ways of gathering information to help you um, share the information and you can still include your expertise and your skills. And sure. um, so I appreciate you sharing that with the audience. I think that's, I think that's something that's a very important message for people who want to take on the step to do that, to understand that it doesn't all have to come out of your head. No, 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 no. There's, you know, it's, I, I, there's a phrase that says there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. If you ever heard of that. So yeah. uh, I, I'm not going and, and just repeating what other people said, but it was processing it through my lens and then applying yeah. it to an audience, right. That I was trying to address right. and talk to and solve a problem uh, against that. The other thing I want to add, if you will, uh, let me, I, I journaling too is yeah. a big deal. And so this leather journal was given to me by uh, a friend and uh, this actually captures all the stories and a lot of the brainstorming I did around the book. So I've kept it, but this journal, uh, is from, I've got probably 30 journals in my library uh, mm, and nice. more on my computer where I can go back and recount stories that were happening at the time. And I can, instead of me trying to brainstorm, say, okay, what was going on then? I can go back and have these prompts, if you will. Uh, and then figure out, and sometimes I'll come across a story and I'll stick it aside and then I'll go back and in my writing, I'll say, oh, that fits. And then I'll bring it back in. So, uh, the research combined with the journaling and then to your point, talking to people, uh, interviewing or whatnot, uh, very, very helpful, uh, in terms of putting thoughts together and what do you actually, I would, I'd tell people this too, for me, um, a lot of times for me, it happens with thinking first. I've got to mm -hmm. let my subconscious mind think through things and put things together. And I found that if I can write a couple things and walk away and then think through it, or before I sit down, I want to, because the, the easy part for me, at least uh, Jennifer is not uh, the easy part, I guess would be writing and don't take that wrong, but it, the, the hard parts, the thinking through it, how do you approach yeah. it? And then the, the thing that is tough for people is how do you then distill that? uh, on, on into words. And Marine Dowd uses a quote, uh, that I've read that impacted me years ago. I read it. Uh, I think she's a New York times columnist. And I tell this to people all the time while I get them to write things down. She wrote and said, how do I know what I think unless I read what I write? How do mm. I know what I think unless I read what I write? And so I get these thoughts and then I translate them on, onto paper. And then I say, Oh, okay. Uh, that helps crystallize, clarify, and get those things out. Or I'll say, that's not what I was thinking or trying to say or whatnot. But that's that's part of my process that I have. I love that quote. Because I think writing is just, is how we express mm -hmm. all yeah. of the things that are going on in our heads. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's a, a, an interesting, you know, what you were saying about the thinking. I think there's an interesting idea about procrastination. Mm. And people thinking that procrastination is a negative. Mm. I I see it differently. I think procrastination is that thinking time. Mm. It's that, you know, processing time. And, and then what comes out of it is 
the ideas and everything that you you end up putting down on you giving me another great topic to write about i would say are you procrastinating or are you processing yeah right procrastinating is putting off and being lazy uh, and not wanting to approach it mm -hmm. to your point though if you're processing something you're letting yeah. your mind work on it uh, I tell people all the time, and I, I don't, oh, I'm not sure I get the story correct on this, but my dad, again, I mentioned him in the intro, uh, there was a, an electrical grid problem with blackouts in California years ago, years mm -hmm. ago is when I was a little kid. And my dad told me that in the shower, he figured out the problem. Just like that. He figured out what to do. Now, I don't know what he did with that, but he, he, he had this beautiful mind where he could think of that. But my point is this, the same thing, same thing happens to me, maybe in the shower or riding my bike or whatever. Uh, it's where I've let my mind go and I'm just kind of floating along or doing something else and mm -hmm. something will pop into my head and I'll figure something out and go, you know, that's what I need to do. And I'll need to write it down or I type something on my phone or whatever. And you've got to give yourself that space to process. And sometimes to your point, the procrastination looks like that. That's, mm -hmm. that's what you're doing. And that's, that's, you have to give yourself grace as a writer um, yeah. And don't shame yourself for not starting or not writing something down. Say, okay, wait a sec. Why am I doing this? And what am I thinking through? And then uh, when will I know? And how do I start to articulate that uh, and distill yeah. that onto paper or onto the computer? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny kind of going back to when we were talking about the comedy earlier, the second class, the second comedy class that I took, I was struggling. I could not come up with good content. It was getting close to, you know, the graduation and the graduation, you know, we have the show and I, I did not have a routine and mm. I, I couldn't figure it out. I mean, we were like getting close just a couple of weeks away. I came up with my entire routine in the shower one morning. Very nice. There you it go. Just, it, it just downloaded. Right. Um, and so I'm a, I am a big shower thinker. Um, yeah, and sure. someone told me one time, there's something about the water, yeah. um, that makes a lot of people, um, really, and, and I am a processor and I know I am. And it frust frustrates people sometimes because they look at me looking for an answer and I'm like, I need a little bit of time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and once I recognized that about myself, though, it really helped me respond better. That's right. To people. That's great. I love that. Yeah. So true. Yeah. 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 So what have you enjoyed the most about, you know, having written the book and, um, you know, of course, you've had some some great reviews. You've had some, you know, some awards. So what what has been the most enjoyable, fulfilling part of it? Uh, okay. That's a great and a very timely question. I was sharing this with my wife and then uh, another guy, uh, here this week. I, uh, I got, I, I was at church a couple of weeks ago and, uh, somebody that knows somebody else came up and said, Hey, Preston, I think, uh, you and your message and, and, uh, how you can, uh, work with somebody might help this individual. Would you be willing to go grab coffee with him? And I said, sure. Uh, didn't know much about it. He just said he's a successful business leader uh, and he's kind of struggling through some stuff right now. And uh, Jennifer, we went for coffee and um, he shared his life story with me. And then uh, he actually pulled out my book from his bag and I had no idea he had purchased it. He said he got this and the audio copy of it was listening to it. And he goes, Preston, I, uh, uh, I, I'm in this spot in my life and I read your introduction and part of the first chapter. And he said, I'm sitting on my bed crying because that's where I am right now. Mm. And so, uh, and there I go again, I'm making people cry, right? I can't make them <laughs> laugh. I make them cry. Um, but when he told me that, 
that was just kind of a great moment to be thankful uh, because I realized, you know what, it wasn't about how many books I've sold. It wasn't about uh, a platform. It wasn't about um, an award, but what it was about was helping somebody um, to connect, grow, and learn. And in that, that moment, those, and I've had some of those one-on-one -on -one moments uh, that are just like, wow, I, I, you know, you step back and go, Meh, I don't really care how many copies it sells. Now I do, but that's, you know, that's, that's all another thing. But in those moments, those are those, those uh, gratifying, satisfying moments with somebody where you were able to connect with somebody and help them. And that's why I ultimately wrote the book um, on it. So again, I go back to, it, it goes back to um, an author and you have to ask the question, why are you writing this? And if you are attached to that purpose and the meaning behind it, and for me in this case, it was the who as well, uh, the why will help drive that getting over the procrastination, uh, the delays, the frustrations, the rejection you go through. And if you maintain that North Star, uh, you're going to be probably in better shape than just saying, hey, uh, I just want to write. Uh, writing is one thing. It's the, the reason behind it, what you hope to accomplish and how you can solve a problem or help somebody. Uh, or entertain them if you're a you're you're writing a fiction book or or whatnot. Um, that's that that was probably the the greatest. That was probably one of the neatest moments Jennifer I've had with that. I've had a lot of accolades, had the reviews. Uh, we've sold obviously more than uh, the average book only sells what 250 copies. Mm -hmm. uh, mine uh, a couple thousand now, which is cool. It's been all over the airports and across the country. It's available all around the world. So I don't tell you to uh, I don't tell you that to uh, impress you. But I want to impress upon you and also to the listeners, this is that uh, if you have a dream, uh, you can accomplish it. Hmm. And uh, it, it's fantastic when it comes true. And that's what I'm walking in right now. I'm so thankful. Uh, there's some things, you know, it's kind of the question, what's next? I'm not sure. Um, but I, I don't know, uh, Jennifer, you'd be interested. You may or may not. I'm going to give you a leading question. I'm going to lead the witness here. It might be of interest for folks to know a little bit about the journey and what I, I came up against to publish the book. Can I go through that for just real quick to share with them? Because I want people to realize that if they feel the rejection, uh, they feel frustrated, they feel stunted, mm -hmm. they, they can't move off the dime uh, to know that there, there is hope around that if they keep at it. Can I share with you just some numbers real quick? Yes, please do. Good, good. Thank you. Great answer. That was perfect. <laughs> Excellently done from a, a leading the witness. Okay, so- I've had, I had, uh, 50 agent inquiries. I had 50 wow. agents turn me down. I had, and once I got my, and I'll tell you in a second about the agents. Once I got my agents, I had 30 publishers turn me down. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had three editors on the book, two agents. One was a new person back in 2016 that signed me for a year and a half. I wandered the desert for a while on that uh, and nothing ever happened. He was let go from the agency. I got stuck out and untethered and floated around for a while. Another guy named Steve Hudson with WordWise Media picked me up in uh, Los Angeles and he's been fantastic. Uh, and he got me in front of uh, a couple different publishers. Uh, one of the publishers, and I know your listeners probably know the methodology around publishing, but they're self-publishing, hybrid publishing, and traditional publishing. And uh, this being the first book that I wrote and being a marketing guy at the Coca-Cola company for all these years and understanding the power of distribution, my heart's desire was to get a traditional publishing contract. Uh, and so I had aimed toward that. 
And uh, eight months later with Steve, my agent, he wrote me a note and said, hey, I've got an option for you. You could go down this hybrid path. Uh, what do you think? And so I talked to my wife about it, uh, thought I was doing the right thing around it, uh, signed a contract. I'll be, I'm just throw the numbers out there. Signed a contract to pay them, the hybrid publisher, $5,000, but I had to buy 2,500 copies of the book. I was responsible mm -hmm. for all the marketing, but they would give me the distribution through Ingram uh, dis distributors. They're the largest book distributor. Right. So I said, okay, we signed the contract. You know what happened on that Monday morning? That next Monday morning after I signed the contract, I got an email from Steve and all it said in the, the subject line was, this throws a monkey wrench in things. And it was Craigle Publications, who is a traditional publisher, said, we want to sign Preston, meaning that they would pay me royalties. They would do a lot of the marketing. They would do the distribution while they would get the rights to the book. There were a lot of things. And they allowed me to do the marketing with them and all that. So uh, long story short, I go back to the hybrid publisher. I get out of the contract, lose a little money. I have to give up to get out of it. And then I go with Craigle. And so, uh, and they published it back on uh, July 20th, 2021. I, I always love to tell this last piece. Uh, do you know what happened on July 20th, 1969? Your listeners might know, you might know. Do you know what happened on July 20th, 1969? I do not know. That's the first time man walked on the moon. Oh, okay. That was the culmination of the I didn't shot. connect the date, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I remember sitting at Passion City Church and Louis Giglio, who's the pastor there, was talking about the moonshot. And I just remember the sense coming over me that, you know what, Preston, when is your book supposed to launch? June 20th. When was the moon launch? June 20th. No coincidence. Nice. Uh, and so that was a kind of a, a feeling stirring in me that I got that, hey, this is your moonshot and you've been through all these steps to get out there. Uh, it's a good thing. And so I just sat back and relaxed and enjoyed that. The reason I share that journey with you uh, between all those 50 agents, 30 publishers, three editors, two agents, two publishing deals, actually, I, I just mentioned, um, is that if people have a dream and they have a goal, remember, it took me 10 years to get this thing written and published and rejection right and left. There were many times I wanted to give up. But again, I went back to that who and that why. And why was I writing the book? I felt like I had something special and ultimately somebody else did. And so I just want to encourage your listeners today that if you feel like giving up, if you have a message that you want to get out there, whether it's nonfiction or fiction or whatever you're doing, stay at it, stay at it, be persistent uh, and, and keep it up. That is such a great message. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and, you know, thank you for sharing all of your messages. I think this is, this has been a great conversation and I appreciate your time. Um, before we go though, I have a couple more questions for you. So okay. one is what else is there for you? I mean, what, what's your next thing? Is there anything you want, want the readers to know about, you know, what you're doing now? Yeah. So uh, right now I'm kind of stuck in that procrastination mode to write a next book. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to reposition that to Preston is still processing. Okay. Uh, I, I've gone through some of the mind mapping for my next book. Uh, I want to write a uh, business related book, maybe a little bit faith-based and, and address it to my kids uh, about how to get off the pile in the workplace and what it takes ultimately to mm -hmm. succeed. I've got a PhD from the school of hard knocks. Yeah. 
And so I want to translate that back to these young professionals that are growing. And what if you can catch those emerging leaders and show them uh, some of these things like, you know, how do you plan? Uh, how do you think? How do you collaborate with other people? What are, what's your calling in life? What's your purpose? Those are kind of heady topics. So I've got all that written down, but now it's just starting to write it. And uh, I'm struggling right now, I'll be honest with you. Am I, do, I, um, do I really have anything to add that's anything different? And so I'm struggling right now with my own confidence, my own doubt and all those things. And so it's, uh, I want to let the listeners know that that's okay, uh, that yeah. I'm going through those right now. Uh, it's to, to keep on keeping on on it uh, and what that looks like. So I want to write another book. That's the net net uh, that I'm going to be working on. Plus I'm a starving speaker, I'm a starving <laughs> speaker, like a starving artist. Uh, so I started this speaking business uh, right after I jumped out of Coke about, uh, gosh, it's, it's getting close to a year now. And I am uh, an agent speaker, agented speaker is what they say, uh, with a group called Voices to Connect here in Atlanta. And uh, I've got a couple of agents that work with me. I meet with them a couple of times a month. They, they provide coaching and then they also go out on my behalf to help develop new business. Uh, so I'm having fun. I, I'm a John Maxwell uh, certified speaker, trainer, et cetera. Okay. So yeah, so I, I can use a lot of John's content. Uh, that he has to help develop people's leadership skills. And then I also have the book platform. Uh, so I've got a lot of stuff going on that I can go and just uh, help people grow uh, and reach their potential, become the best version of themselves. And uh, that's kind of really what, as I mentioned earlier, when I was sitting across from that guy that shared his life story with me and then pulled the book out and had that moment. Uh, it's not that I'm trying to get those moments, but I know that I can help people. And yeah. uh, if I just invest time to do that, that, that will make a big difference. Nice. Nice. Awesome. Um, so we'll drop some information in the show notes, um, about Preston. So if you're, if you're looking for a speaker, um, and, and would like to reach out then we'll have that information in the show notes. Um, all right. One more last question. I always like to ask this, um, what book or books have you read that have really inspired you or you have really, um, really followed and, and found to be very valuable for you. Yeah, I read, uh, I, I on occasion read fiction books, uh, because I believe it helps me with my imagination. Uh, but I'm a big nonfiction book reader and I have done that a long time and obviously a leader, uh, um, I guess a guru, but, uh, this is a book called the leadership challenge and it's the mm -hmm. seventh edition millions of it sold bestseller. Uh, I've had an opportunity to interact with the authors. Um, but this book, uh, has had a huge influence on my life uh, in the way I lead others, the way I view other people, the way I help do extraordinary things in organizations, applied a lot of its principles at the Coca-Cola company, I think. But the, the neatest thing, and I actually go one-on-one -on -one with some people. I'm actually coaching somebody through this right now. I just got done coaching a president of an organization on this uh, uh, actually last week, uh, 12 chapters. Uh, but my brother and I, Jennifer, uh, about, I want to say 15 years ago, uh, on Saturday mornings, this was before zoom. This was just really when you could use a speaker phone, if you will. And mm -hmm. my brother, Jeff and I would sit down on Saturday mornings and have read a chapter, uh, the previous week. And then we'd come back and discuss it. And I'd have a fortune 500 perspective. He'd have a small business perspective. And, uh, the neat thing was to see on his side about how this book and its principles have been implemented and embedded in a small business culture. Uh, and, and it's kind of life. And the fun thing is my, my brother, Jeff, uh, still with some of our new associates, associates that come in, uh, he actually personally as the president of the organization will do a book study around this. 
uh, at, at Numerica, our, our family company. Um, so that's why that book, it's, it's when I talk about books that have, have impact and what my book might be able to do, it's nothing to the, uh, the level of this, but this is a huge book. If you're a leader, business owner, uh, small, large, whatever, I highly recommend checking this out. Great principles to, uh, to live by. That is a great suggestion. Having the, the book club, I have participated, um, in those in the workplace, before where where a group of us would take would take a book and kind of break it down and apply it mm -hmm. and so for anyone who is maybe looking for a new way to approach training and and conversation in your groups that is a great method to use that and it also builds some really interesting um relationships it does you can get into some more personal um kind of conversations with people yeah. that you might not have gotten to those conversations with without it yeah agreed i you know it's fun to watch i've done it you know i've done it at work myself uh, i've led a couple of engagement teams at the coca-cola company and i always use this book as kind of a meeting starter have people read mm -hmm. the chapter and we talk about you know what's your aha and it was always fun to hear what people had to say and what came out to them uh and, and the light bulbs go off yeah. And uh, there is a better way to do things than some of the things that we saw. And uh, so I would ask them, say, hey, how do, how do you apply this at work, et cetera? So those kinds of conversations, those meaningful conversations are worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Preston, so much. I appreciate it. Great conversation. Um, I think a lot of great insights for, for the audience. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been nice. So, um Anything else you want to share before we sign off? No, no, no. I want to tell you how much I appreciate you and investing a little bit of time with me to hear my journey. I love what you're doing with the author's way uh, and your podcast and your business and helping people grow this talent, skill, and ability they have ultimately to get something out. And I think it's just a wonderful thing that you're doing. So thank you for your efforts uh, and how you're helping people. Oh, thank you so much. I'm just having a lot of fun with it. That's great. Um, it, it, it's been a, a great experience so far. Good. All right. Well, we'll, we'll wrap everything up. I'll let you get back to, to your, um, your day. And um, I appreciate it. And for the audience, thank you so much for listening. This has been the author's way.